Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks again for joining me so much this week. So my motivational quote that I want to start with is actually an old proverb, and it says, the oldest trees often bear the sweetest fruit. So have you ever heard or used the phrase money doesn't grow on trees? What if I told you that you can grow money, be the gardener of your own money tree? Would you use the tips to have a green thumb and a greener, more bountiful garden? Today, my guest, Vladislav Zirinovsky, he's the president and CEO of Craner LLC. He is my financial. He is a financial gardener with that elusive green thumb. Vlad helps thousands of people sow the seeds to be able to harvest their money trees for financial stability to feed them throughout their lives. Today, Vlad is going to answer all of your questions about taking control of your financial garden so you can live your dreams when you retire. Vlad all, uh, will present his mixed mulch ideas for creating successful and flourishing financial garden. So get ready. We are going to start now. So welcome, Vlad. Hi, Connie. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's wonderful to be here. Now, Vlad, I'm cracking up because did you like my um, little phrase, my little um, imagery with the garden and you have a mulch of, of tricks up your sleeve? <laughs> You know, I absolutely did, because most of the times we're compared to financial architects who designed the blueprints. Sometimes it kind of goes over people's heads when you try to use complex analogies. So it's the fact true. that we're able to, to, to help, you know, to, to harvest and basically harvest well-being. So your analogy was perfect. I loved it. Yeah, I, it's so funny. When I, I try to, um, you know, start the shows, I, I do try to start with always that kind of intriguing motivational quote and then come up with, you know, this, the tree obviously reaps the fruit. And I thought, oh, I'm a gardener. I kind of like that. So, yeah, I try to be, I do try to be a little creative. So that, I'm glad you appreciated my analogy there. Of course, so I, of course. I, yes, yes. We have to have a little fun, right? We have to have a little fun. So today I want to start by really setting the foundation of our conversation, but really start by taking stock of our own financial condition and give us some, some ideas on how we can do that. And then there's like a part two to my question. So how do we take stock and then how do we create our personal financial plan? So if you could share some tips, that would be awesome. Certainly. You know, the analogy, and I like to, to use stories um, in, in explaining myself and to do a better job making myself clear. Most definitely everyone um, of your listeners has gone to a shopping center, a shopping grocery store, you know, and you pretty much never see anyone running from one end to the store to the other to picking up potatoes, and then they're running over to get eggs, then milk, then maybe come back to cup soda, and whatever, whatever other groceries that, you know, lie uh, on the route. Uh, everyone comes into a store and there's a coherent plan how you go shopping. Well, why is it that designing a financial plan needs to be any different? Taking stock of your financial condition is basically like creating a shopping list for the local grocery store, for the local uh, supermarket. What are you looking to accomplish? Like, what are you looking to, um, what kind of menu are you looking to have this week? Are you looking to have more 
fish on your menu or more meat on your menu or more salads on your menu. So when we discuss taking stock of your financial condition, it's as simple as, well, how much money are you earning? How much money are you spending? How much money are you able to put aside? And where else do you have money sitting? So do you have a savings account that your parents started for you back way when? Is there a college plan that was not utilized, although with the exuberant amount of debt students are graduating from the universities now, highly unlikely that anyone has any extra money sitting aside. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it's just amazing. But we'll touch up on, uh, on this point later. So the idea becomes you literally want to sit down and kind of put everything in numbers in front of you. The reason you want to definitely sit down and write things down is because if you don't, you're stuck in the loop mentality which basically means you keep on revisiting the same thought in two or three minutes by going in the circle. As soon as you sit down and you write things down, so your earnings and your expenses and whatever the case may be, you have everything coherently in front of you. Uh, Connie, please do me justice. Am I doing a good job explaining myself? Yeah, excellent. I, I have questions, but I want you to finish your thought, and then, then I'll ask the question. But, yes, I, I love the shopping um, example, and uh, just because we pause here, I'll say, I, I'm laughing because you, you were saying people running from one side of the store to the other. There was a show on TV many years ago, and I don't remember what it was, but they would run around the store and put stuff in the cart, and then at the end of like a minute time, they, the buzzer would go off and they would come <laughs> to the front, and any anything they had in their cart, they got for free. So if there were things that they needed, diapers and stuff like that, you saw the husbands and wives running like lunatics through the shopping store. So as you were pick, you were saying that back and forth, that's what I pictured going, yes, that is an odd, that's an odd scenario to see someone running back and forth in the food store, you know. So that was Absolutely. great. But no, your, your explanation, I, I think, is dead on. So, yes, please continue. Write it down. So the idea becomes for you to sit down and write it down because, um, well, most, of, most have visited a construction site. I mean, from the looks of it, it might look like everyone's just doing their own thing, but at the same time, there's a coherent process. You know, the architect designed whatever the, the, the site will look like, then the engineer did the calculations, brought in the, con the builder, the, con the contractor, who actually is doing the construction. So everything has a rigid process. And what I'm sharing with all of you is the fact that Create a process for yourself, and we'll get into the actual details, you know, in the next couple of minutes. Okay. But it's important for you to basically start with foundation and start building upon it. Okay. So that's that. And um, now let me okay, let me understand one thing. When you say write down, sure. do you want me to sit and I'll use myself as the example? But do you want me to sit and look at what I'm ultimately trying to accomplish? That one piece of it plus I need to figure out here's my intake of money you know x x amount of dollars here's my fixed money going out mortgage payments college payments whatever rents whatever it might be food bill etc so to look at the plus column the minus column that's fixed and then what is my long-term goal to see where the excess money is did I understand that correctly Precisely, precisely. Okay. Any okay. plan starts with the idea of where are you now and where are you looking to end up? I, um, so I shared, shared with you that I teach a course at the local university, and one of the things that I've used as an analogy with students is 
you know, many start college with a particularly declining major. They start taking courses along the way, but by second year, everyone has to declare a major because that's the end goal. That's the degree that you'll have on your actual diploma. You know, you, you can't continue taking a bunch of courses and then in then four or five years uh, come out, so graduate from the university going, okay, well, I've taken everything under the sun, so what am I good at? It's right. the same exact thing. We're sitting down, we're, we're creating the point zero, and then um, as we keep going with our, um, with our listeners, I'll walk them through an actual plan of how we design things. But okay, yeah, excellent. And I think budget. that's... Start start with the foundation. Start with the but the but the bottom budget in out um, of of those moving parts, and then kind of builds from there. But I do agree that, and and I live my life that when I go to out with clients on on my sales process, the way I I kind of function my my processing with clients is to start with the end in mind. So they go, oh, I need training. Okay, we can. I certainly can do that. But let's talk about what is the end result you're looking for. Where are the level of your folks' skill level? There's a disconnect. Let's talk about how do we fill that gap now with the proper tools, knowledge, training, whatever it might be, so that we don't waste money or time, you know, because both, I think, are valuable commodities. But you have to start with the end in mind. Otherwise, you're, you're right. It's like going to school and never declaring a major and coming out with a montage of stuff, but there's no focus. Exactly. And that, yeah, exactly. that's very dangerous. So, yeah, I like that. I think that's a great analogy. Now, I have another question because a big piece of our basic budget, again, the money in, money out, and for many people it's either the rent or the mortgage. So I know I'm often asked, do, like, is a biweekly mortgage payment a better option to do to pay down a 30-year mortgage so that you start, you know, paying yourself back? you know, the equity back into your, um, Correct. you know, the value of the home. What, what, cause I know if anybody's listening that does have a mortgage, this is probably other than our kids' education, one of our biggest, you know, hurdles to pay off during the time mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. working. So what do you think of biweekly mortgages versus, um, the traditional, you make your payment on the first of the month, et cetera. It's, it's a wonderful question. And, and we, we are asked this question quite frequently. I spent a bulk of my career um, at a bank. So we've done a number of studies to see what and how we can help people to budget accordingly to pay off their mortgage. So by changing your payment schedule, so keep in mind, I'm not asking you to spend more. All I'm telling you is just change your habit of pay, making a mortgage payment, break it into two, and pay it every couple of weeks. So, like, for example, you, let's say your mortgage payment is due on the 1st and it's $2,000. So make a $1,000 payment on the 1st and a $1,000 payment on the 15th. And then consequently, another $1,000, then again, you know, the 30th or the 31st. So every, just break the month into, um, into equal parts and send equal payment. By, do, by simply... Or changing the way you make your mortgage payment, you end up saving seven years on your mortgage at the end of your, well, mortgage lifespan. So instead of spending, at this point, instead of paying a mortgage for 30 years, by sending exactly the same amount of money, uh, you are, uh, you end up making an extra payment throughout the year. Which One extra payment. Result, exactly. Which ultimately ends up in you saving seven years at the end of your loan. That's huge. Which is amazing. It's seven years. Think about it. It's 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 dozens of thousands of dollars. 
It's, so now it's, let me, it's a ridiculous amount. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. If, let's say, like, my mortgage comes out on the first of the month, okay, my taxes, all that stuff, everything is in there, okay? First of the month, it Correct. comes out, boom, I know I have to have the money in the account, it's gone. If I wanted to make one extra payment a year, if you're saying, I don't know if this calculation would work the same, what if I paid an extra, um, take my, my mortgage piece minus the other stuff, and I divided that into 12, and on the 15th of every month, let's say, I made that extra principal payment of that, let's say, $100 or whatever it might be. Would that have the same impact of the seven years? Probably not. It would probably be less, right? Correct. Did I make sense? However, yeah. look, yeah. No, matter, no matter which strategy you choose, and I'll tell you, the biggest – the biggest obstacle in this particular scenario is not the fact that people don't have money in their mar in their pocket to make um, biweekly payments. No, it's we, we've thing. seen you know making the shift absolutely. It just becomes a habit. Humans are habits uh, creatures of habit. So if you, you did something particular way or because your parents taught you to do so, you continue doing it exactly the same way. And you know this is on the side note, but you know everyone brushes their teeth in the morning and at night. And mm -hmm. think about it: who taught you to do that? Like yeah, your I'm, parents, I'm, I'm actually good. Um, exactly. And who taught your parents to do that? Their parents, and et cetera, was, et cetera. Right, sure. Exactly. But did you know that the whole concept of brushing teeth came because during World War One, there was such an unbelievable amount of men with such bad teeth because people did not take care of their oral hygiene that the United States government instituted that everyone has to brush their teeth. And that's how it came up to today as us brushing teeth in the morning and at night without even questioning that. <laughs> I did so, not know that. <laughs> I, I'm a huge history buff. I can throw these things at you all day long. But, yes, that's oh, the bottom line. That's exactly that what happened. That is crazy. And now we Absolutely. brush our teeth. But that's what my mom right. learned, I guess. From the, <laughs> see, isn't that fun? It's a good thing the government did. Now, yeah. we, now we don't have the dental bills that we or pull teeth out. Exactly. We exactly. Did. That's crazy. So now, and then we'll, I have one more question on the mortgage, and then we'll, we'll go to a break. Yep, my question yep. is, now, my mortgage company, when I, I mean, again, I have only 15 years left, so I've been paying the sucker for how many years? They, you know, the first of the month, your payment was due. Can people request a bi-monthly? Absolutely. It's and as simple bank, as contacting your, your bank and telling them I'd like to pay bi-monthly. You can start sending in the checks bi-monthly. If that's the way you do it, you can request an overdraw from your account. It's, it's completely up to you, exactly. Oh, yeah. See, here's the thing. By the time I retire, I really want to have me 15 years left. I'll be about 68 then. So I, I certainly don't want any debt at all. So the mortgage has to be gone. That's part of our plan. And, but That's here a very I'm good loving, plan. If, yes, isn't that a great plan? A pretty smart person sometimes. But I would like <laughs> to pay that if I can do the money. Because the money, the first of the month, that money for the mortgage is always there in my account. So whether I pay it the first or the 15th, it's, it's in the account. It doesn't matter to me. So if I can call my company and have them do that, I'm in 15 years, what will I save? Another extra two years, three years? Yeah. You, you'll be amazed oh. because if you have 15, minute, 15 years left yeah. and you, you start doing something like this and maybe here and there you send an extra $100 or maybe $50, yeah. whatever you can, you'll put yeah. such a dent at, at, at the biggest payment that you'll basically have. Oh, after I hang up with you, my friend, I'm calling my my bank. 
Wonderful. I'm happy I was able to uh, to help with step number one. <laughs> yes. Is it no? But here, I bet a lot of people are listening and saying, "What a simple concept." Yeah, I knew about a bi-monthly mortgage, but ah, what did it mean? You just made right. that so clear for me that really, really, even though I have 15 years left, isn't it not worth to knock three, four years off? You know, it's a, right. that's our big. I think most people that's our big nut every month um, to come up with. It's it's really it. It's cat makes us cash poor a lot of times, you know. You're absolutely correct. For many, uh, mortgage payment is up to forty to fifty percent of their monthly earnings. Sure, sure. So yeah, it's a it, big it, chunk of change. It it is. So I love that. To me, we did our job, Vlad. Now we could just hang out with Jack. <laughs> Listeners got their money worth today. Sounds awesome. a good plan. <laughs> exactly. That's a good plan. Okay, so let's take one really quick break, and then I want to jump into, um, I like that financial plan. I like the mortgage because I think that's a big nut for us. I want to transition over to how to start saving for retirement, and I have a little scenario um, for, I'm going to give us a a little visual of who, and then I'd like you to talk um, to that scenario. So let's pause, and then we'll come back and talk about retirement. Cool. You got it. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we are talking with uh, Vlad Zirinovsky, and we are talking about just financial, good, good financial habits is really what we're talking about today. So now my question, Vlad, is when we talk about retirement savings and starting now, I know the rule of thumb that we all hear is 10% of our income. So here's my scenario. We have a 27-year-old uh, person who's earning, let's say, 40000 a year. According to the 10% rule, they have to save or they should save $4,000. So now break it down for the listeners to how do you save? And I did a little calculation here. It works out to be about 77 bucks a week. Now for a kid, a kid, okay, again, 27 year olds, not a kid. So you guys out there that are 27, I apologize for that. (laughs) But for a 27 year old earning that, you know, 40, 40 K and the 4,000 a year to put away, I think $77 a week could be a, a ton of money to them, especially if they have rent, they have car payments, they might have student loans that they're still um, paying off. So break it down. How can they save that $77 a week without creating angst and pain so that they'll actually do it? Wonderful. And, um, yes, as a matter of fact, the whole concept of, of creating the 10% that you uh, set aside for yourself, and this is um, – We'll touch upon the 401k, the retirement plan contributions, but the 10% rule is for you to put that money aside so that you can achieve what I call this financial freedom, which basically means that if there's an opportunity for you to take a step to do a better, to a better position, a better job, or maybe relocate to another, to another place, whether it's work-related, personal uh, preference, 
you're able to take advantage of that. So if a 27-year-old earning $40,000 a year, the 10% is the money that they would put aside right after receiving their paycheck. So if your paycheck was just, I'm just rounding off. If it's, well, in this particular case, um, it's $77 per week. Right. Let's think about your own, think about your own daily routine, right? And I'll use, um, I'll use the combination, you know, between myself and my wife, so maybe some of you can relate to us. Um, sure. So my wife owns her own business, and she works from home, so it gives us the flexibility to be with the kids throughout the day. She works on the kids' nap, and then she always works in the evening. Um, and then every Friday, she gets up early, goes to pick up breakfast and, pick, and a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And it's been like this for the past four years. Every mm-hmm. Friday, it's her ritual, it's her routine, and it makes her weak. She, she's, she's enjoying that end of the week uh, productivity with the way to treat herself to that breakfast. Sure. Now, Love if it. she was going to the office every single day and picking up breakfast and then picking up lunch and then on the way home maybe picking up something else or running out to get a cup of coffee, I promise you, every single day that will accumulate to 15 bucks to $20. So the purpose of the plan is not for you to hinder your well-being. So if you love a cup of coffee every single day because that's the only way you make it through the day, well, consider maybe not having Starbucks but maybe brewing coffee at home. Sure. And you'll be amazed, you know, let's just use Starbucks. Five bucks a cup of coffee, right? My wife buys um, venti caramel latte. See, I even know that. It comes out to be like four seventy six. Glad you're a good husband <laughs> that you know that. I'm thank glad. you, thank you. I wasn't I wasn't fishing for any points, but I go pick up my <laughs> cup of coffee for her, you know, like during the weekend if we if I'm doing shopping like early in the morning. So anyway, you're so take five bucks, right? You pick up a croissant or a bagel, that's another five bucks. You do that five days a week, that's $50 in the morning before you day even started. Well, what if you did that? What if you broke it up into having a cup of coffee and and treating yourself to breakfast? If that's what you do on Monday, maybe Wednesday, and maybe Friday, that right there is 20 bucks in your pocket because on Tuesday and Thursday you're doing something on your own. Sure. Now, a 27-year-old has already had several positions. And at this point, you are earning some money. You're accumulating some, um, well, hopefully not debt, but accumulating um, money in your account. If you're able to work from home, that uh, ability to stay home versus commuting, whether you take a bus, a train, a path. My office happens to be in New Jersey. One of the offices is in New Jersey, and New York City is about, you know, stone throw away. And there's like 10 different ways you can cross the bridge to make it into New York, which is where many um, uh, people work, especially the ones from northern New Jersey. So Absolutely. The, the difference becomes, okay, well, if you take the path, which is like, let's say $2, versus if you take a ferry, which could be $10, you know, it's 8 bucks. And think about it, you do this for five days, it, the savings are just amazing. And I'm not asking you to start spending more money. All I'm telling and sharing with you is there is a way for you to channel your money in a better way where you're able to hold on to it Absolutely. in a much better sense in, in your own pocket versus giving it and you know, forking it over. And this is before we even start talking about bills and rents and everything else. Now, Connie, was that clear enough about uh, coming up with a variety of ways to, to yeah, run the $77 funny, a week? Now I live in central Jersey. So to get my husband worked in Manhattan for many years and he would go into the path in Newark and then take it, the, you know, the train over to New York. 
And when the, God forbid, it's so sad, the towers came down, the path was gone. So he right. started taking the ferry. Well, the, he had no choice because it was either the Correct. bus or the ferry, but the bus didn't go downtown. So it, from a, a commuting standpoint, without having a three-hour-a-day you know, commute, um, he started taking the ferry, and it cost more money. As soon as the trains were back up and running, he converted over. But we laughed. We were like, wow, we got a raise. Yes, <laughs> Once the you're absolutely correct. To go back. So I, I think, and, and if I'm understanding your point, it's don't don't cause pain to yourself, but look at how you spend money and look at alternate ways. So, example, if you go to Starbucks every day, maybe do it Monday, Friday, the other days, Take your thermos with your coffee brewed at home on your Keurig or your Tassimo, whatever you have, or your, you know, old drip coffee, and maybe buy bagels um, for the week, put them in the freezer, and then you take them out the night before so they're semi-fresh. So that's just one idea that could save you 30 or $40 um, just by changing that one little behavior. So I think it's just being Correct. mindful of how you're spending your money and seeing if there's a better way um, or a better alternative than what you're doing. And another example that I think you said, um, getting mm-hmm. into Manhattan, um, we're just because we're here in, you know, by Manhattan, exactly. by New York. Um, so it's just that everybody else can relate to this on how they commute. But if you could take the train or the bus and the time frame is the same, you still don't have to drive, so you have the freedom of the commute to check your iPad or your iPhone emails, et cetera, where people function during that time. If the time frame is the, is the same, but the bus is, is a cheaper route and it doesn't add to your commute time, that might be something to think about, um, you know, or the subway Correct. versus taking taxis or, you know, those little things that if they're not adding an exorbitant amount of time to your commute, might be might be worthwhile. I, I think sometimes we don't think about something that's right under our nose. So that was a great example. Correct. Now another another question. So some people get bonuses. I know everybody doesn't. But the rule of thumb that I heard, and I could be wrong, is that when you get a bonus, you want to put 50% of that away because you shouldn't be living off of the bonus. Rule of thumb. Again, I folks, I know that's not always our reality. Um, but it's a good habit to get into. Is that 50% realistic? It is. And um, I'll tell you more. Many families that we start working on um, and younger families, we make this a point to the extent where we, we ourselves, well, obviously with uh, acknowledgement from our clients, take that money and move it directly to the investment. This way, oh. the money is not the money is not um, an appeal in your bank account where you go, oh, wow, you know, I have two, three, four, five thousand extra dollars. And then the money starts raising where you should go for your next vacation, what kind of shoes you'd like to buy or where sure. you'd like to spend your money. Sure. So because you're not relying on your bonus, we tell you take 50% and put it away as you never had it. Take the other 25% because let's face it, in our environment, you know, the Although the inflation is low, the real inflation, which is how much everything costs, is real. And it's going up rather well. Take 25% and and then pay down whatever your student debt, whatever your credit card uh, debt you might might have. Utilize the 25% for maybe a major purchase if you're looking to buy a new couch or something that you needed the money for. And then take the other 25% and celebrate it. Yeah. Is one of the key things I said, your plan is not designed to hinder you from enjoying your life, but
but it's there to help you and give you the opportunity to celebrate your life. So why not take 25% from your bonus and go and enjoy it? Whether you can Absolutely. afford to go on vacation or you buy something, just make a point to celebrate because your mind will anchor around that wonderful event. And then when the next bonus comes around, you'll know that you have 25% to look forward to and the other 50 is being put aside for you. And here, again, it, you're, this is so simple because really it's just about being mindful of not only what do I want today, right, that instant gratification, like you said, 25%, Correct. go and buy that expensive pocketbook or go on a vacation or, um, you know, whatever guys go out and buy, okay? So you, you, that I, I totally get it. And if you get into the mind or the habit of, ooh, 25% mine, yahoo, the rest I know is for a rainy day, 25%, and that 50 percent is for my future, my retirement, so that I can live the way I'm living today. So again, I, I think it's it, I think it's getting your mind around what your expectations are versus sitting seeing all of that money, whatever the bonus might be. It might be five thousand dollars to say five grand, what can I do with it? No, pay yourself first, the twenty five hundred <laughs> goes to retirement, the other thousand um, yeah. So I, I think it's I, I really think it's about changing how you look at the money that's coming in or where it's coming in from and then really thinking about how to break it down into and it's you know my my vision of how I want to spend my money might be very different than you and your wife which might be very different you know for Mary Lou who's listening or Peter who's listening you know whoever these folks are um so yeah, there's more than one way to get to the finish line, so to speak. So I think we have to be mindful of how we spend the money. Yeah, excellent. I mean, great, again, great um, great recommendations. Uh, now, I, I, we don't take a break now, but I do want to pause here and ask everyone if this topic has been overwhelming for you, if this topic has created angst where you feel like I'm never going to be able to retire, I'm never going to be able to pay my mortgage off, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never, and that's what's going through through your mind. I really do hope that today's topic and, and just what Vlad and I have spoken about, I hope you're saying, oh, I have to think about that, or oh, right. I, I have to rethink the way, um, you know, I do without thinking. I go to Dunkin' Donuts on my way to work every day. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't do that every day or whatever. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I think it's how we spend to just take a peek at that. I know my husband and I, Vlad, a couple of years ago when um, the, the the he there was no bonuses. Mm-hmm. There was no raises at his work because they were trying to save jobs instead of laying off. So they went to all of the, the, you know, management and executives, and they said, look, no raises, but we can save this many jobs. So my husband came home, right. and we were like, okay. absolutely. We don't want people unemployed. You know what? We make do. So as the cost of insurance went up and all these other things, I said to my husband, okay, so, you know, usually on like a Saturday night we went out as a family. Guess what? We're going to do more cooking at home. So now instead of going yeah. out – Four Saturday nights, I said, we'll go out one Saturday night and we'll pick someplace really that the kids will let the kids pick where they want to go or whatever. Um, little things like that were made us adjust the budget without causing tremendous pain. And here we felt, okay, so some people didn't lose their job, we didn't get a raise, but I'm okay with that because you know, other people benefited um, that could have been out of work. So I, I think, again, it's all these choices that we have to make. So I hope the idea is that Vlad, it's a great, it is, it's just, it's how we have to think or change our thinking and the rest falls into place, right? Our thoughts become reality. So you guys, 
if you've had a situation where you've had a brain blast of how to save money um, or put that budget together to make it a habit that is pain-free for you, you know, please let me know. Email me at Connie at com, and I spell Whitman Associates for you. It's W-H-I-T-M-A-N. A-S-S-O-C, and again, it's Connie at WhitmanAssos.com, and you can always call me or leave a message on my voicemail. I always call back within 24 hours. My number is 732-888-1420. Share your ideas because I'm, I really will come back and share it on the uh, radio show so that everybody could benefit. Also, at the end, I'm going to give you all of Vlad's contact information. If you have a quick question, Vlad, there it's it's okay for them to email and shoot you a, a quick question as well. I think that's okay. Certainly. Certainly. Absolutely. Okay. So let me give your email now, and then I will give it again at the end. Plus, everyone, I will put Vlad's website on the Web Talk Radio uh, platform at the end of my little introduction to the show, and you can uh, reach him that way. But his email, Vlad's email is B-L-A-D, Vlad, at Craner, K R. A N like Nancy E R dot com. So you can reach him as well. But share your stories, guys, because we really will, um, you know, give you the feedback and share the wealth of things that you have that are working for you. Okay. So let's continue now, Vlad, with um, stay kind of on the retirement venue. But let's talk about the 401k plan. So I have another scenario for you. Are you surprised? Absolutely. Well, not surprised, but go ahead with scenarios. Yeah, so you love my scenarios. Um, I do. I absolutely enjoy them. And I think it makes it real for the listeners, too. So let's say that I I work at a company. My company does not match my 401K. So are we better doing our own thing monthly, like doing maybe an IRA and with a combination Roth IRA, or are we still better off putting it into the 401K uh, you know, investment. And uh, it brings it to, um, you know, uh, for many years, I was truly amazed myself being a financial professional who went to school for this. I graduated the university, my MBA degrees in finance economics. I've, you know, I've been an analyst on Wall Street. I was a financial advisor for the past 10 plus years until I founded my own company. You know, have you noticed we have not brought up anything about the stock market in the first several segments of our radio show? Isn't that interesting? Yes. Isn't so the fact that working financial planner, most assume oh, it's the guy who buys, sells stuff, lose money, or we heard horrendous stories. You know, not everyone there is like that. You know, there are individuals such as myself who are dedicated and who are absolutely love and passionate about what we do. And as you can see, now is the only time that we're kind. Of, we will touch upon the financial uh, sphere. And what I wanted to tell you is, is the following. Regardless of what you believe, your thoughts, your feelings about the stock market, whether it's the game for the wealthy or it's, it's, it's a gimmick, it's, it's a poker room, whatever it is, I've heard it all. Our system, our financial system is designed for you to take care of yourself. There is no magic rainbow at the end of when you turn 65, somebody hands you over a pot of gold, all, all of a sudden you win a lottery and then you're absolutely taken care of and you're done. Your money needs to be allocated, needs to be invested so that when 65 comes, when you turn 65, there is a way for you to continue your life into your retirement with dignity that you deserve. Absolutely. So 
The way to achieve that, most companies have dealt away with pension plans, and it's only a matter yeah. of time before match- matching will cease to exist. Matching is a company's way to say, you know what, I value that you work for me. Here's three, four, five percent additional contribution to your 401k plan. Now think about it. If they don't do that contribution to you, and you say, okay, you know, whatever, then I'm not, I will not participate in 401k plan. Well. IRA account allows you only $6,000 annual contribution, where 401k for 2015 allows you to set aside $18,000 of your own money that you don't pay taxes on. It's three times the amount. So why don't we maybe, you know, utilize the, you know, someone who is, uh, the previous example from someone who is 27 years old. Well, that individual, I mean, yes, per se, she will not, you know, he or she might not be able to set aside $18,000. But by you being able to put something aside, and let me throw this at you, $50 a month for someone who is 25 years old contributed to a 401k plan over the course of 40 years, uh, assuming you do 6% annual growth and it's all compounded monthly because that's how the stock market works, you will save up a little less than $104,000. And that's, just 50, that's just 50 bucks a month, 50 bucks. For 40 years. You know, we were talking about $77 before a week, right? That is on top of what I'm telling you to do with your 401k plan. Now, if you say, if you told yourself, you know what, uh, I'll wait until I make a little more and I'll start contributing more money later on. The difference between 25 to a 30-year-old doing 50 bucks a month. And now instead of earning 104,000, you will have 74,000. So a difference of $30,000. Now if you huge, told though. me it's five years of your life and it's $30,000 difference towards you know, the moment in your life where you need to, to make sure that you can continue living with dignity without anyone telling you that you can't live here anymore, you have to move out or whatever is the case. Mm-hmm. Now if you wait till 40, and you still continue contributing um, $50 uh, a month from, from 40 till 65, so that would be for the next 25 years, you will save up only $37,000. Oh, that's mind-blowing. So Compound we went from 104 to $37,000, 70, you know, almost $70,000 difference. And all you were doing is you could not justify setting aside 50 bucks in your 401k plan. Look, 401k plans are automatic. They're tax deductible because what it means is if you earn, well, you know, $40,000 and you put $10,000 into your 401k account, that means you'll be taxed only on $30,000. Right, the rest right. of your money grows tax deferred and you'll pay taxes on it later on. I mean, understand there are individual scenarios where, um, uh, you start jumping between the tax brackets and the different uh, is, is absolutely mesmerizing. But I do not want to get bogged down in the details. I just want to tell you how absolutely uh, just incredibly important 401k plans are for you, for yourself, for your family. So That's try right. to maximize them whether there, is, whether there is a match or there isn't. Absolutely. And, um, and, and, and you know what? It's funny because... I hear people say, well, I'll save it on my own. No, you won't. 
<laughs> yes, no, say you, you will and you won't because that money's in your account and you end up spending it or the car breaks down and you say, oh, I'll just use that money. What's the big deal? And you never end up. So by doing that 401k, that $50 or whatever it is. And here's my other thought on that as I was listening last week. Mm-hmm. We're assuming, you know, this this person, 27 years old, make it 40000 okay, it, to, to put that uh, 4000 away, whatever that means, um, the 77 okay, let's say puts into the 401K. Right. As they get to 50000 60000 that $77 keeps going up too. You want to maintain the 10% going into your, or whatever, 5%, whatever you can afford, because I know we have bills Correct. to pay and rent. And so if you could put 3% in a year, go for it. And as you start making right. more money, maybe you can up it to 5%. And then your next raise, you're like, ooh, I'm up to 8% a paycheck. So it, you don't just have to start or stop at the 2 or 3% if that's what you can afford. Or once you hit the 10%, go up to that 18,000 uh, if if you can you know if you're making 180 grand definitely put that 10% in etc so yeah compound interest is a beautiful thing and the credit yes, card is, is a compound the com- the credit card is a compound interest against us so same Correct. theory but it's it's penalizing so um beware i have another question that i think might help uh, the listeners also let's say because i know that the you know the younger generation, I'm going to say 20s, 30s, probably even folks in their 40s, they're not staying at jobs for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Um, after five years, six years, they're on to the next, you know, little adventure. When they change jobs, is it a good idea to flip that 401k either if your new company allows you to add it to theirs, awesome, but if they don't, is it worthwhile keeping it at your old employer if they allow it or taking that and, and rolling it into an IRA or some other investment? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, correct. And um, this is actually an unbelievable paradox that um, there's a very good explanation why it happens. Why do people listen? If you're in your mid thirties, the chances are that you'll remain with your current employer for a number of years going forward are very high. If you're in your twenties, that's when you kind of try to figure out whether you like this field, you like this career, and you kind of go from place to place. You work for several companies. Right. There is no perception that you, they know that they can't touch the money. It's not like you can cash in the account, receive a check, and go on the shopping spree. So the concept that you kind of you can't touch this money until you're 65, and then the notion of, well, I don't really know what to do with it. How do I transfer it to my 401K? What other options are there? What ends up happening is employees leave, whether they're, you know, let go, fired, to their own accord for better opportunities. They take every kind of doodad in the office, their coffee mugs, staplers, uh, just pants, pencils, anything you can get your hands on, right? <laughs> but you leave your own money, your physical, your own money with your previous employer, although you're no longer there and none of your doodads are not there. So there are three options you can do. You can leave it where it is, in which case you, you know, someone that you did not see future with still holds on to your money. Number two, you take that money and roll it over to your new um, uh, employer. If or they number allow three, you, if, if they, they allow, allow it, it, correct. Yeah, all companies. Or know, yeah. exactly, or you can set up your own individual retirement account known as IRA, and all it is, it's like a checking or savings account that has its own purpose. And you roll the money to an IRA account with a wealth manager, financial planner, advisor, 
which, by the way, it's 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 the same title, just kind of evolved over the years. You know, we were sure. stock operators in the 20s, 30s, then stock brokers, then financial advisors in the 80s, then financial planners in the 90s, and then ultimately made it all the way up to wealth managers, which is what we're called now. But the concept is you can set it up with an advisor and roll the money into an account, and that account will work strictly for you. I mean, it all depends, you know, if you have $500, or $1,000. I mean, we've had clients that had a couple hundred thousand dollars with sure. like three employers ago, and they've left that job 10, 12 years ago, st still leaving the money elsewhere without taking care of it. And it's like, do you understand that 10 years and 5% compounded per year comes out to be an exuberant sum of money? And, and it's like an automatic raise to yourself. You know, everyone's concerned about earning the paycheck today, today but the bulk of their money is just sitting on the sideline without anybody putting it into the game. Yeah, again, I think so. it's the mindset, Vlad. It, you know, really, that's such a simple concept, yet we leave it, we take the coffee mug and those paper clips that you probably never use, it sits in the box in the garage, right? But exactly. we leave exactly. our money in the 401k, and you're, now you're unaware, at least I know when I've left jobs in the past for other opportunities, et cetera, um, I've never left my 401k behind because you lose touch with what's going on at that organization and when the Correct. funds, if they change them, and you're just out of the loop that it, it really doesn't make sense. So either take it in and roll it into the uh, an IRA. And really now, like you said, I mean, I did it for a, a bank as well, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, where I was an investment rep and then a wealth manager. I'm laughing. Uh, I've had both uh, investment <laughs> rep, financial advisor, wealth manager. I've had all those yep. titles too, so I'm kind of giggling. Exactly, exactly. Financial but, specialist, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. your rate specialist, all these names. But really the bottom line yep. is it's someone who knows how to say, hey, Let's take that money out of the 401k, put it into an index fund or something that will match the listeners. It's your risk tolerance. If you're nervous and you had a position conservatively in your 401k, you're, you, you have to communicate that to whoever the investment person is that you're rolling it into. But you certainly want to share, hey, hey, don't want to take a lot of risk. You know, maybe an annuity is better for you or whatever. Um, but beware. Can I just comment on that, Flat? I, I know it's your, your Definitely. thing. Definitely. Please. When you leave it in a fixed account, beware you're losing um, when you have the the um, inflation and you're keeping it in a fixed account. Sometimes you lose a little bit of your edge of money by not having a little bit in the stock market. You don't have to go crazy, but just a little bit in the stock market certainly is, is a worthwhile um, thing. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. We take the doodads and we leave our, our money um you know, at the, at the old employer for how many right. years. Crazy, right? It's crazy. Again, change how you think about money or where our money is and, and just stop and think, how can I make a better decision for this money so that my future is, you know, growth? You know, again, we're sowing our Correct. seeds here in our garden. I now have another Correct. question, and we have about um, – we just have about 14 minutes left, so I just want to take one more brief break. And then when we come back, I'm curious to see what your thought is on the whole education. You alluded to it before. Um, you know, my son's going to college in September. We just He just made the decision of where he's going to go. The amount of money wonderful. for college. Yeah, it's very exciting. He's very happy. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful. But um, the amount of money that we're paying for education is – outrageous. So I'm just curious to see what you think about the education revolution and will it happen? So let's take one last break and then if we could talk about Wonderful. that, that'd be awesome. 
It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back, and we are here with Vlad, and we're talking about just how to think about how we position our money and be more aware of choices we make so that we can save a little little bit today and how that really can maximize our future, our retirement, and helping us have that green thumb in our financial garden. So the question now, and I know a lot of folks, a lot of listeners are either planning where they have um, younger kids, uh, where they're planning for college, where, and we have some middle-aged folks like myself where the children are in college. So, you know, what are your thoughts first on the education revolution? And then I, I have another scenario for you. <laughs> okay, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I love it. So what do you think about the education revolution? Do you think we're going to put our foot down and, and stop sending our kids to college? Ultimately, here's what's going to happen. A, a college graduate in today's environment is leaving college with, with thousands, dozens of thousands of dollars in debt. I mean, the sums of money, yeah. something up from like 40, you know, um, 40, 50,000, all the way up to several hundred thousand dollars if you yeah. make it into uh. your MBA designation or you go to medical school. Sure. And law what ends up happening, law school, absolutely. So what ends up happening is the following. When... And, and and if you go to law school, you become a doctor. Eventually, there's going to be a reward for you to 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 well to rip to put in your pocket. Basically, I mean from education, the things that you continue doing. But there's many who would like to uh, become engineers and then fill your middle uh, level positions, and that's their choice. Now, when they graduate college and they enter the workforce, because of the exuberant amount of debt on them, they cannot con- they cannot contribute successfully to the economy to advance forward. So what do I mean by that? Um, college graduates cannot get married as quickly. Now we're seeing marriage take place in the early 30s with kids, have, uh, with kids being born in mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. Many of them are not buying their houses. Well, I don't know any 20-year-olds who are buying homes. Uh, most of the times now we're talking about 30-plus. The idea of when you buy a house, you need to renovate it, you need to paint it, there's furniture that you need for the house and a variety of different things, you pay the mortgage, you go to a local supermarket, whatever is the case, you become a contributor to the overall economy. But when you come out and you have an incredible burden of debt on you, the students are unable to go and, 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 you know, not lavishly, but be a little more free spending the money. They can't choose the apartments they'd like to live in. They kind of have to settle for something. So then they, they settle and hand me down furniture from maybe their parents or maybe their dorm rooms, whatever is the case. 
So what it, the reality is becoming, and this is why it's in the Senate, and there are constant talks about it. Did you know that two out of five college graduates default on their student debt within first two years of graduating? Is that true? <laughs> is that wow. Two out of five. Now, that's not normal. I mean, we're supposed to help as a society, as a, as a country, we're supposed to help educate the newcomers. The millennials are a larger uh, generation than the baby boomers. Yeah. And guess who's going to be taking care of retiring baby boomers and social security payments? The millennials. Yes. Well, if the millennials yes. are coming out of college without being able to obtain positions that pay more than, you know, 10 bucks an hour, how are they right. going to contribute to support um, the aging population. And this is exactly what's going to, what's taking place. So I do believe there's going to be some sort of revolution, not from the standpoint of not sending kids to college, but I think it's going to be, well, I, I hope not as bad as the recess we had with the, um, the real estate market when things were just going crazy and everyone was yeah. buying, buying, buying. Sure. But have some sort of, have some sort of reset of our, the way we're paying for college, the way, do you know college appreciates at like 6% per year? I mean, sometimes you college know, uh, it's, course it's goes funny, up higher than markets. I want, I want to comment on that. It was one of the questions sure. in one of the colleges we went to to hear, they, you know, they talk emissions, the financial aid, all that, get up and talk. And one of the uh, parents in the audience said, you know, what is the expectation or what have you seen in the past as far as inflation? Because, and this happened to be a private university, there, there were 46,000 salt. 46000 per year, and they, right. they purse is not exorbitant, and the person said, well, we have a 3 to 5% increase per year in tuition and get this in room and board. And here's here's my concern with that, and, and that to me, it, so it, was, it worked out to be like another four grand a year. So at the end of four years, let's assume a four-year education, that was an mm-hmm. extra $16,000 on top of the 46000 that you're anticipating out of the gate, right? Right. Ridiculous. It's, is, so, isn't that amazing? It's, it's amazing. And this is, this is what, and again, for those of you that are going through this or have done this, walking around these campuses, they're putting up these hotel-like dormitories that have gyms in them and they have sound systems with the big flat screen TVs. And I remember the first one that we did, we did the walkthrough, you know, on the tour. Okay. I don't remember what college it was. And I looked at my husband and I go, I want to come back to college. Somebody paid for me to come here. This is a I country know. club. Are you kidding me? So with right. the increased costs, these colleges have to compete with each other that they're making these dorms that are just luxurious that, you know what? You live in the little two-by-four dorm. You share the bathroom. You wear your flip-flops to the bathroom. You know, we all did it. Our kids are, are cupcakes almost <laughs> compared to how we were raised. And, and, I, and I don't – I mean, I have kids, too, and they're cupcakes. You know, my father walked uphill both ways to school. You know, I mean, we, we always right. say that we had it rougher than our kids. But um, <laughs> it's, it's really – it's very discerning what these kids are, are coming out of school with. So with the last few minutes, I, my, here's my scenario. 35-year-old couple, two kids, let's say ages two and six, combined income, let's say of 110 grand, okay? How can they set aside, now we know you, you have two children as well. I know you're, you're yep. in your mid to late yep. 30. Okay. So this kind of scenario suits you as well. I'm my alley, exactly. Yeah. So how folks that are 
kids are expensive, houses are expensive, rents are expensive, whatever it is, commuting to work, all the things we've talked about. How do they put that money away for college? What's what are little little habits that they could put in place? There are there's a number of options that are available, and um, you know you you can put money in the bank, but then you're collecting you know a thank you every single month from the bank and your savings account. So um, you can invest the money um, by opening a joint account with you and your child, and these are your standard uh, UTMA, the Atma, and the Agma accounts. Yes. But another way for you to start contributing money to and putting money aside for college uh, as an option is a college savings plan, which is known as a 529 plan. 529 is just an IRS code, which is how they came to be known. And like I said, $50, $70, $100 per child a month, anything you can do because the price of a college, as Connie just mentioned, is basically the price of a luxury automobile. How many of you have bought a brand-new luxury automobile for the past five years and paid for it in full? Probably no one, right? Not a lot of people. So, exactly. So when you, when you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. We have a one of, Kanye, that's, love, that's, one of, that's one of my favorite quotes, by the way. <laughs> absolutely. People don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Connie, in your scenario, you know, do you know how many parents we see who are in their early to mid-50s taking 20, 30% of their nest egg, the money that they've accumulated throughout their lifetime, with really, you know, having another 10, 15 years to go towards their retirement, Sure. they turn around and they channel that money to their children to pay for college. The, let, me leave, let me share this with you. You can take a loan out for education, but you cannot take out a loan for retirement. I've right. been adamant about it, and I tell my clients, pay for half, pay for a third. Have children learn the responsibility knowing that, you know, the parents are helping, but sure. there is another portion. You want to, 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 be, you want to desire to graduate from college in four years, as, in little, as little time as possible. Sure. And do as well as possible to maybe receive some sort of scholarship because you were inducted into some sort of honor society. I mean, really take charge uh, of, well, educating your children and, and explain, share this information with them. But the idea becomes the following. Your children are, you know, 0 to 5% on their earning capacity when they go to college, where a 50, 55-year-old at this point has achieved, you know, close to 60, 70% of their earning capacity. So if you're taking 30% of your next egg and you're paying for college, and okay, you have one, what if you have two or three kids? Then what? You're going to spend everything that you've accumulated so you can, your kids don't have any college debt, and then how are you going to retire? You're right. And this, and this is the notion we're talking about. So um, start a college savings plan, put $50 you know, a month for each child, if you can do a hundred, I have a son and a daughter. My son is three. My daughter is a year and a half. They have a. I put away a hundred dollars for each of them. I do the ten percent. I maximize my um, my own personal um, pension plan that I have, and uh, and I make sure that I have some money and I'm setting money aside for my children. It's a must. Yeah, and it's funny because you know, again, I'm facing this right now. So I said to my son, "Here's the deal." You know, I, my mom and dad were wonderful and they paid for um, our education. If you wanted to live on campus, my sister's, uh, my one sister did. She was a pharmacy student. 
and she had to pay for the dorm. My parents paid for the food and the and the car and the uh, cost of the education. I said, no, I think I want the freedom of a car because in the summer <laughs> I want a car. I want to be able to go to the beach. Right. I want to I want right. be able to work my hours and not depend on mom and dad to drive me. So I uh, chose to have the car. I paid for the car for the car. I paid for the car. I bought it. I paid for the insurance and I put the gas and my yes and my mom and dad paid for all of my education. So I think I came out of school with just a couple of thousand dollars of debt because and here's a funny thought which I can't imagine this happening today. I worked while I went to school. I didn't just stop to t- to get my education. So I worked about 30 hours a week and went to school full time. And by the time I graduated college, paying cash for everything. Okay, and really coming out with no debt. I had ten thousand dollars in the bank, and that was nineteen eighty three. So, and I was making, yeah, I mean, I was making like three bucks an hour. You know, I just I worked a lot. I was really aggressive. So, can it be done? Sure. Now, do do I want my kids to have to work that hard? No, of course we want to spoil our kids. But I, here's course. here's the point of my story. I told my son, you have to come out with five five thousand dollars a year of debt, twenty thousand dollars. You have to have skin in the game. Otherwise, it's going to take you five years to graduate or six years. There's no, there is no money tree. Um, you know, I go back right. to my analogy in the beginning, but there's no money tree <laughs> that you have to earn. But everything has to be earned, and you have to use your, your dollars wisely. So you come out with that 20 grand, and you're going to have to figure out how to budget and pay for that. But I don't, this is me personally, I don't want them to come out with that hundred or 120000 of debt. So my husband and I will take the debt, and then we will just right. pay it off every month and just make sure that we don't end up with a ton of debt so that in 15 years right. when we retire, not only is the mortgage, there, you know, there's more than one way to skin the cat. And we had a budget for my son. So anything over that 25000 for me, 5000 from him, you want to go to a $50,000 school, I won't say no. But guess who's taking on right. that debt now? And is it exactly. worth is it worth it to you? Now, if it's a Harvard or something, you'd say to the kid, you got to go for it, man. I mean, you're writing your ticket right to your future. <laughs> but most of my kids, an average kid, I mean, let's face it, Vlad, he's an average dude. Um, you know, at the end of all of this, he's going he's gonna to get a job. He's going to be able to function, but he's not a Harvard kid. So the education is the state schools and the local schools, and 30000 right. is a very fine budget for that. That's what a wonderful way to to teach responsibility early on. You know what? It it is a responsibility. You know, and I I think parents that are listening, we didn't have a free lunch. Nobody paved. You know, I mean, yes, my parents were awesome and paid, you know, for the education piece. But those auxiliary, the car, the staying on campus, all of that, that was our responsibility. I just think we need to teach our kids that everything isn't free and easy. We work hard. Us parents work hard. Right. Like, don't you work hard, Vlad? I work hard. Oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> right? absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's tough. It's tough. So here's we're, we're out of time, but if you can share um, just the, what is the, ta- the big takeaway uh, from all of this? I think we have so many topics. I'm so pleased. But what is, what is one takeaway that you could say to everybody? Think about and what here's, would that be? <laughs> here's my five-point summary. Sit down, physically write down a a quick one-liner or however detailed you want to be. What is important to you personally and professionally during the next year? And what's uh, important to you personally and professionally during the next five years? And really sit down and think about it. I mean, where you live, how do you live, the things you like, the things you don't like. Just write them down, exactly what I said. What's, What's important to you personally and professionally, you know, let's say today, 
and personally, professionally during the next five years. Pay yourself first. You know, do the maximize your 401k contributions as much as you can. If you, if you have questions, you know, the, the plan sponsors you can ask, their phone numbers you can call, their individuals such as myself, you're welcome to reach out to me. I'll be happy to help you. Maximize your 401k contributions and then strive to achieve 10% savings to yourself. Pay yourself yeah. first. The moment you get that paycheck, Open an account in another bank, another bank that's not convenient for you to get to, and, and yeah. drive your portion, your 10%, 5%, 3%, whatever it is, as Connie said, whatever you can afford, drive it to the other bank and put it away. So that would be the first three things. Set aside 50% of your bonus, spend 25, and then enjoy the other 25. And that's it. In a nutshell, those are the most, and one, one last thing, take care of your aging parents. Just make yeah. sure you know where everything is. Yeah. Because when I yeah. was, um, I've had so many families come through w looking for accounts that belong, finding checkbooks to account that they didn't even know existed, and then the father or the, the mother or whoever, the, the, aging parent, the aging parent has passed away or just can't remember it anymore. Just, just keep track of everything. There is a reason, as I told Connie early on, the lost and found basically is all the money that was dormant and lost throughout this entire country ends up with our federal government. The amount right now is $58 billion. That's what it be. And the chances Crazy. are that there, there is your family's money, and all you have to do is just go to, well, just type in lost and found from federal government, and they have a way for you to search. And I shared with Connie that a very close friend of mine, I shared this story with him exactly the way I'm talking to all of you right now. There was a $200,000 inheritance account that the attorney could not locate uh, the heir and the money was just sitting in the lost and found. And my friend, who I was having this conversation with, who was absolutely sure there was no lost money for him, he went, typed his name, and sure enough. So wait, what is it, it again? It, lost and found federal government? Just Google that? Just absolutely. Just go. Wait. Uh, let me let me see if I can find missing money federal government. Missing money, federal government. Okay, cool. Love it. You know, the actual, the, the, the actual website is Unclean Property, and you can go to USA.gov, and then in the search field, just type in unclaimed money. Unclaimed money. Very good tip. Who knows? See, everybody's going to listen. If you get money, you folks out there, you better let me know that you hit the jackpot. By Definitely. USGov <laughs> and the unclaimed money. I want to know about it. Vlad, thank you so much. What a great show. I really My pleasure. Do appreciate um, your time and your insights. And I do love stories. I think stories resonate with people. That's how we remember information, not just the, the task. I hope everybody enjoyed the tips to grow your money tree in your backyard. Uh, again, starting now, uh, Vlad just gave those beautiful five little tips. Uh, write it down and just kind of come up with a plan and think differently. If you'd like to speak with Vlad, you can reach him. I'm going to give you his phone number. It's 201 Three seven four four zero seven nine, and again his email I'm going to give you is Vlad V L A D V like Victor at Craner K R A N Nancy E R dot com, and the website is www dot com, and I will put that website so you can reach out to him on the Web Talk Radio uh, website as well. Uh, Vlad, thank you again so much, um, and wonderful I to be here. It's really a pleasure. And I, I hope all of you folks out there will come back and um, 
learn and question and discover new ideas so that we can help ourselves grow, not only our, our finances, but help us grow as individuals. Uh, I'm again, Vlad, thank you for being an awesome, awesome guest, your insights and info. Um, you have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have an awesome week. Please make those little changes uh, to your financial picture so that you have a healthy uh, tree growing in your backyard. Thank you again. Have a wonderful uh, week and fill it with savings. See you soon. And listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.